Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, today we are talking about the first episode of the third season of Leverage called The Jailhouse Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, so first of all, I was fucking right. Obviously, I mean, obviously it wasn't a leak. Nate was in prison. But they did bust him out. And I was wrong in the sense like they didn't do it through the legal system but he did get out through the legal but, system yeah like te- like technically like you know i i don't think i get the win on that no i don't think that i like if we were playing bingo i would not get the bingo but i i feel like i wasn't wrong also yeah. it's like a loophole yeah kind of technicality thing. it's like did he get out of the prison system legally yeah but but no. it wasn't the team that did it. Like, that's that's the real subverted... Because, like, the sort of the obvious options are mm-hmm. the team gets him out illegally, the team gets him out legally. Yeah. They're your two options. Secret third option, somebody <laughs> else gets him out of prison. Yeah. Who was immediately blackmailing him. Yeah. Okay. And the team. Okay. Do we want to start on that? Or yeah, go for it. Okay. If you've got thoughts, if you've got predictions, like, we're finally... This is a season where you can predict. So I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. You know how every episode of season four, almost every episode of season four, you ask me if I think Cass is going to be in the next episode? Okay. This one, I'm going to ask you every single episode, how do we think this relates to bringing down Damien Marone? Okay. Because he is the big bad of the season. So I want to know how you think this fits into the puzzle of taking down Damien Marone. Because as they said, they're still going to help people. They're still going to take jobs. Just some of them will be leading to Damien Marone. So... Fair right. warning, not all of them are related to Moro, but okay. some of them are, and we do learn exactly which ones in the season finale, which ones are related. I'm going to make a prediction yep. right now. Go for it. My prediction is that I'm going to like this season. <laughs> this sounds so fun. Um, so, like, even if I don't like the episodes, I'm yep. going to like talking about them, yep. <laughs> which, I mean, I already do, but, like, I just feel like this is going to be particularly It gives fun. you something to predict on. Yeah. Which is, like, a, uh, it's ooh. fun and new. I'm going to make a mind map. Ooh. Go for it. <gasps> okay. Okay. All right. So, how do we think this episode relates to bringing down Damien Rowe? Well, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, it's the introduction yeah. to that concept. Yeah. I have a question. I don't know if it's just because I missed it or because, again, like I've mentioned this a few times, I can't watch this particular um, streaming service doesn't have yeah. captions and I miss stuff. But do we have a name for the lady? No. Okay. So at this point, you know how, like, Azazel is just called Yellow Eyes? Yes. She's the Italian. Okay. That is what they were referred to her as moving forward. All She's right. the Italian. All right. That's fair. So, well, all right. So For obvious reasons, because she's Italian. <laughs> All right, okay. So this lady, mm-hmm. I am intrigued because I feel like we have Sterling, yeah. right, who is like the Nate. Yeah. Right? Equivalent, yeah. This, she kind of feels like the Sophie. And I don't know if that's just, to be fair, we get like the most minimal interaction with her, but she feels like that kind of equivalent. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, it could just be because that last scene in the bar, like they were getting right up yeah. in each other's face, and like she did this whole thing where she was like, Are you sure about that? Because you seem pretty incentivized or whatever it was that she's motivated, I think. Yeah. And it felt like very like yeah. there was undertones yeah. of like tension there. Yeah. And I'm like, so I don't know if maybe that is what's making mm. it feel like it's Sophie-esque. But I think that like she's playing them. Yeah. And she like, do you know what I mean? And so I'm like 
we have Sterling. Yeah. Who is like, obviously, he's like on the side of the law. We've mm-hmm. talked about this so much. I feel like I don't have to elaborate. Right. But we have Sterling, who was like on the side of the law on the moral he's scale. technically. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, yes. And we have Sophie and Nate who are in like this gray area of like, they're doing the illegal things, but they're doing it for like the moral reasons. Yeah. And I feel like this woman, I mean, she's she wants to take down this big bad, right? But she knows that the legal system can't do anything. Yes. That is her whole point. So, like, that puts her on the side of Sophie and Nate. Mm-hmm. However, she's using blackmail, mm-hmm. which puts her further into that yeah. other end of the spectrum. So it's almost like you have her on one, one end of, like, the morality scale of, like, more dodgy than, yeah, you know, but, like, still morals. It puts Sterling on the opposite end where it's, like legal but not necessarily moral mm. and then nate and sophie are still somewhere in the middle do you know what yeah. i mean like it's so it feels like she is a parallel of sophie but in the opposite direction of the way that mm. sterling is a parallel of nate i can say that yeah and like she's i she's still trying to achieve a good end although she gives me the impression that she's gonna get something out of it like it doesn't feel like she's doing it out of the goodness of her heart because if she was, she wouldn't blackmail them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like she's doing it because him being taken down will mean something good for her, yeah. which again furthers my idea that like she is on the opposite like of Sophie in the opposite of how Nate and Sterling. I I'm using a lot of hand gestures. No, that's here. okay. I think I think they understand the point you're trying to make. Maybe I'll draw a diagram. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not I'm not really allowed to comment yeah. on that because that is. Obviously. We, we do learn more about the Italian and her motivations and, like, sort of... Yeah. I mean, this is episode one. We've had five yes. minutes of screen time. I am purely... She's a bamf, though. I am speculating out of my ass right now. But I just want to make sure if... Maybe I'll draw a diagram to mm. explain my point because the hand gestures are not very yeah. helpful in the auditory podcast. So, but yes, that's kind of how I'm thinking. I enjoy Nate's proposal to the team. I am, like, because when he obviously first tells them, they're like... No, no, this is like, this guy, is it, is it Monroe or Morrow? Morrow. Morrow, okay. So like the chocolate, got you. Yes, so M-I-R-E-A-U, Morrow. Oh, not like the chocolate. No. Like Bureau. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Because it's the French spelling. Okay, all right. So M-I-R-E-A-U. Okay. Morrow. Okay, so. (laughs) Unnecessary. Unnecessary. No, it's fine. I'm like, it's helping me because now I'm imagining a Morrow bar in a suit and that's going to be how I picture this guy. (laughs) That's gonna that's gonna be the image that's in my mind. Wait until you meet him. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. In my brain, mm-hmm. when Nate approaches the team, basically what he has done is very clever. Yeah. Because basically he's done that thing where, like, when you take a you take a proposal to someone and you tell them this like huge fantastical thing, and either they you know get super excited and like into it or whatever. Or they'll be like completely like, no, this is too much of a, a big thing. Like we're not going to, it's too much to take on, blah, blah, blah. But then he broke it into chunks yep. and he's like, here are the manageable bite-sized pieces that will lead us to this end goal. And like, I think that was the way to get them because they aren't like, the thing is that the team, everyone individually, but also as a cohort, their primary focus feels like it is to take, like, to get justice for people who otherwise have no way to get it, right? But actually, their top priority is their own safety. Like, all of them, like, safety for themselves, safety for each other, safety for what they're doing, right? And because they want to keep going. And so for him to be like, hey, here's this thing, 
it's going to massively compromise your number one priority of safety. That ain't going to fly. But for him to be like, okay, okay, but we're not just going to go straight in for the kill. Like, we're not just going to rush them with no background. Because we I'm are going sure. to. Oh, we're going to case this guy the same way we just cased this prison. Like, we are going to be in the trenches. We're going to wander around. We are going to learn how everything intricately and intimately works. And then we are going to know how to reach our goal. Because we are going to infiltrate in a way that they're never going to expect. And I think that is fucking genius. I also, I think they re- they did a good job as well because they really lay it out in the text. Like, I think it's Elliot who literally says... He will evaporate us. Like, if, if you run straight at a guy like Moroy, mm-hmm. if you don't start knocking him off, sort of, off his game, start start sort of yes. messing some stuff up around in his house, if you just try to go directly for him, yeah. he will eviscerate you. So they've, they've really early on established the stakes of going at Moro. Yeah, and they even go around the table and, like, they list all of the things that make this impossible. And I am so interested to see how they overcome all of those things. And, like, you know how you described uh, Crowley when we were talking about Sterling Mm -hmm. as, like, having fingers in a lot of pie? Moro is exactly that. Yeah. He is a bank for the criminal underworld Mm -hmm. and he has his fingers in so many pies. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. So we've talked before about, like, the chess metaphor yeah. for leverage. What I found fascinating is that today we saw the, like, checkerboard. Yeah. Like, when Nate is sitting in the ca- cafeteria mm-hmm. and he's, like, mapping it out on his little thing, it's a checkerboard. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's actually really telling because if you look at the three people who are mapping this out, they all have different methods. Mm. So, of course, you've got Harrison, who's tech, digital, yeah. everything is, like, and then you have... Um, um, Nate, who is obviously, it's very 3D, it's on the checkerboard. It's, mm-hmm. And then you have Parker. With the stickers. With the stickers and the old school schematics. Yeah. She's a very traditional sort of way of looking at it. So it's it's fascinating to look at, you know, sort of. Yeah. Hardison's is like new and shiny and flashy and innovative. Like Nate's is like creative and abnormal. And obviously that's sort of a function of where he is. Yeah, he's working with what he's got. He's working with what he's got. But then you've got. Parker, Parker, who can also do it, but she does it in a different way again. Yeah. And it's also really interesting because it puts Parker in the middle of like a scale where Nate is on one end and Hardison is on the other. Mm. And so it's so, it's, I actually, I really liked this episode. I thought it was super clever. Like they used things, like the way that they did this felt believable. Mm-hmm. The, the exception, the yeah. only thing in this whole episode where I'm like, this doesn't feel achievable is that Nate had the comms. Yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know if he put it up his butt. Like, how did it he... It came in in the kielbasa. What? The kielbasa. The comms come in in the kielbasa. What the fuck is a kielbasa? It's the sausage. The scene in the walk-in freezer where, like, he's pulling apart the sausage to find the comm. They smuggled in the comm in the sausage. Dude, I must have been taking a note. And you I have, missed that. And you have Billy sitting there going, what the fuck, I'm a... And I can... No, the kielbasa, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh, in your ear, like... Did you? No, I'm ge- I'm genuinely. I don't think I saw that scene. Okay. Like, I cannot have missed that entire scene. The scene where like he's talking to Billy in the walk-in freezer after the the gangbangers have just tried to stab Billy. Oh yeah, but doesn't that and they're Nate in the walk-in Nate's... freezer and he's pulling apart like the the meat, the sausage. But Nate has already had. No, he's been talking to them. No, because when he leaves with Billy is after he's done the checkerboard thing. No, no, it's before that. 
the original scene where he meets, like, so so you have the first scene with Billy, where, like, Billy gets him the book or whatever. That's, like, perfectly insignificant. They're like, oh, we got to look out for each other or whatever. And then Billy walks off and Nate spots the two sort of, like, gang members follow Billy. So he goes and he beats up the gang members. What? And then they run to the walk-in freezer. What service did you... Oh, my God. I've missed part of this episode. No, I'm so serious because when Naomi was sitting watching with me this morning yeah, um, and when I first pressed play, I watched like three minutes of ads and it got down to like zero seconds or whatever. And then it didn't play the episode. It reloaded and played me three minutes more of ads. And so I was like, oh, it's just weirdly glitched. I've missed the first 10 minutes of this fucking episode. I'm not joking. Nothing that you just said to me did I see. The first thing I saw was um, Nate in the in- infirmary with Billy, who's already been attacked. And <laughs> I was like, how did we get here? You my, the first... My, dude, my first note. My first note, right? Corporate prison systems are disgusting. Prison labor is also fucked. How is Nate out and about? Because I thought they were just in a hospital. And I was like, Nate went to prison. Okay, so I'm going to pause the recording here <laughs> and we're going to watch the first 10 minutes of the episode so Beth knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I was like, what, you, what book? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm... Okay, so full context. We just watched up to basically where the first ad break would be yes. in Leverage. And I'm so glad we solved that mystery because I was sitting here so fucking... I was like, what fucking book... What, what kielbasa, what are you talking about? And I thought that I was losing my mind, but no, it was just the streaming service gaslit me. So, because <laughs> I was sitting here like, Beth, it's an entire plot point. Like, yeah. it's not like no. just something they show. It's not just that, like, they, they show, like, oh, well, he got like a book or something and like the earbud was hidden in it or something. No, so, like, I would like everyone listening to know that up until just now, the only part that I, I hadn't seen. The first, like, five, ten minutes of yeah, the episode. Yeah, I saw it from when Hardison is talking to the prison owner. Yeah, the original that's meeting I, with Hardison and the... That's what I thought the episode the, began yeah. with. I didn't know that the Italian woman was introduced until she calls the guy about the bank. I thought that was her intro. So, my notes <laughs> might be... That does answer a lot of questions. <laughs> Thank God. Mm. Because, like... I was very confused, but okay. Same. So, so we now mystery solved. We know how he gets the earbud. It's a fabulous scene. I love that yes. scene so much. You have Nate just digging through the meat, mm-hmm. and like Billy being like Billy being so confused, and I love that for him. I do love Billy. He's a very fun side character. Yeah. Do we get more of Billy? Mm-hmm. Oh bummer, because he would have been so. Fun. He's a one off. Unfortunately, he goes in the same like basket as like Adam and Maria from okay. the job. Because like, I just feel like an accountant like could be like a good person for them to yeah. have on the side. Oh man, he's like the he's purest so bean. He is. He's so sweet. He's so cute. He reminded me of a supernatural character, but I can't think which. I don't know. Oh, actually, do you know what he reminded me of? When he's, like, freaking out and Nate's, like, talking on the comms and he's like, who are you talking to? And that whole bit, and he's, like, talking to himself. It reminded me of in Yellow Fever with Dean when he's scared of everything and he goes on that, like, whole rambly rant to Sam. He's like, do you know who does that? Crazy people! That was the energy. The vibe. Yes, and I love that for him. But yes, Billy's a sweetie. I now understand why he was in the hospital because I was like, what happened? And then... 
I like put it together that like, oh, he got attacked in the prison because they yeah. thought that he killed the guy, yeah. but he didn't. I put that together, but I didn't realize they told you that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, t- they tell you that. And then Nate stabs him. Okay, so here's the thing. I do feel a bit stupid that I did not realise that I'd missed ten whole minutes of this episode. However, I'm also kind of looking impressed with myself that I managed to keep up with the episode, even though I'd missed a whole ten minutes. So, like, there's a loss here for my intellect, but I also think there's a gain. <laughs> Is that, like, are some things clicking into place now that you've seen the yes. first section of the episode? Yes. Okay. Mm. Anyway... <laughs> So picking back up on our conversation, uh, corporate prison systems are disgusting and prison labor is fucked. Yes. I don't think that elaboration is required on either of those points. It's modern day slavery, essentially. Yeah. And it is so abhorrent. This entire episode is just like, hey, what if we say the prison industrial system is fucked? Like, that is the entire episode. There are like... We're going to pick yeah, apart. They're like, pulling out stats and statistics. There are, like, prison laborers fucked. There are, like, the way we sentence people is fucked. There are, like, they're all fucking corrupt. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they are pulling no punches here. Yeah, like, they even made the point of, like, these are, like, average citizens who believe in the justice system, who believe in the judicial court system. Also, it's based on something that has previously happened, that there is evidence of and has previously happened, mm-hmm. except for it was with children when it happened in real life. Yeah. And they actually had to make it less bad for leverage, which is, like, something they don't do very often, like... You'd think that it would be the opposite. You'd yeah. think that they would be dramatizing it for TV, but the fact that they had to like cleanse it for TV because it like, was unbelievable if they'd left it in what actually happened, like yeah, shocking. And I think that what Leverage does really, really well is highlight these issues. But they, it's it's kind of like watching last week tonight with John Oliver, mm-hmm. right? In which like they outline this, you know really important complicated thing that is usually a terrible thing that is happening Mm -hmm. and they highlight it but they do it in such a way that it doesn't feel overwhelming like they ease you into it and they do it with comedy and they do it with humor but they still underline the important issues and facts and statistics that you need to understand to comprehend the scope of the issue so you still become aware of it but you, it's fed to you in a way that doesn't feel like you don't feel miserable mm. the whole time you're watching it. Yeah. Like you might, you walk away from it going, fuck, like Jesus Christ, what is wrong with the world? But you're not turned off from watching yeah. it. In, so I guess my point is like, sometimes I, like I'm guilty of it too. Like I'll be scrolling through Instagram or like Tumblr or whatever. And I'll see like important PSA, like blah, blah, blah. And it'll be information about some horrible thing that's happening somewhere. And I'm like, I don't have the fucking emotional energy right now. I have, there's so much is terrible. So much is bad. I can't read this massive block of text about this horrible thing that's happening. I just can't. And you know, it's, it's shit because you should be able to look at these things and like be aware of it and stuff. It's important that we're aware of things, but you just, I, you know, you just don't have the energy. And so to have it put across in a way that doesn't take energy in a way that's like enjoyable to consume, but you're still getting those takeaway messages. I think it's actually really important Mm. in a sense. And I don't really know if I'm making, I don't really know if I'm being comprehensible right now. No, that makes sense. Like it's, it's the packaging that matters. It's like, yeah. it's giving you 
important it's like it's giving you an important reality check of what the reality behind these systems is that is often glossed over Mm -hmm. but it's not doing it in such a way that is it's emotionally draining it's not like a 60 minutes format yeah you know or like a current affair where it where it does feel over dramatized and it Mm -hmm. does feel like it's just heavy 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 it breaks it up so that it's it's more palatable which is not necessarily a good thing in like you know should we make like essentially like slave labor more palatable? But like, if you're not going to consume the information otherwise, it's like a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, helps medicine go down. Like, and so I I think it's a really interesting kind of way of presenting the yeah. information. You know, because you get all this really like like, and the prison warden sounds proud. He's like, you never run out of people to put in prison. Like mm-hmm. the inmate population is like the largest in the world in America and all of this sort of yeah, shit. It's here's like, the thing. He has a solid business model and that's atrocious. You know, like he's like, there is a market for it. I am pandering to an, a market that works, you know, and like that is horrible, you know, but. And then they add in Parker going, Sophie, just, and it just breaks it up a little bit. So you don't feel like, doesn't take quite as much out of you. You don't fall into a whirlpool of existential dread. Yeah. In the same way that you might if you were just reading a paper about the fucked up prison the system. Fucked up prison system. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. I, it's a very complicated issue and one that I am not educated enough to properly comment on in reality. But I do think it is interesting the way that it is presented, mm-hmm. so that. And it's also presented in a way that anyone can understand. Yeah. Because I do think that a lot of the time issues like this are not necessarily intentionally gatekept, but I do think they are to an extent because you do have... Yeah, because if you were to read, for example, a a peer-reviewed journal about a systematic review of, you know, um, incarceration rates in various countries and for what crimes and, you know, how long each sentence was and whatever... That is intimidating and the language is very formal and, like, you have to have a certain level of education to understand without just Googling what does this mean every five fucking minutes, you know. And it's it it does not – I don't – like I said, I don't think it intentionally gatekeeps the information from right. the general public, but by the nature of how it's presented, it does. Yes. Whereas free-to-air television that includes those stats and statistics and is presented in a way that is easy to understand – it might, and it's also a good entry waypoint. Yes, someone could watch Leverage and could watch this episode and go, "Oh, that seems really fucked up. I wonder if that's Let accurate me look or into not." It myself. Let me look into it myself. It's just a nice starting place for the information because it's not like dense and it's not heavy and it's not hard yeah, to access. Exactly, um, and it might inspire someone to go and actually access that information and become more informed. Exactly, but we do need to wrap this up because that is that's a whole that's, fucking discussion yeah. in and of itself. Okay, so that was like. That was kind of heavy and depressing. So let's go opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I know you love it, and I know you love to see it. Hardison and Parker pretending to make out. Do you know what's so funny? Is there were so many ways you could have ended that sentence, and they would have would have all been correct. I yes, absolutely. I that scene. My my literal notes were: I like when we pretend to kiss, followed by pretend question mark, followed yeah. by one, two, three, four, five, six side eye emojis. <laughs> That's my consecutive notes. Yeah. And holy shit. Yes, I do love that. Mm-hmm. I do love that. It's incredible. This I, is Fiona, my secretary. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> Look, here's the thing. 
I am so excited for fake dating AU mm-hmm. Parker Hardison. We've this is like the third time, fourth time I, I think we've it's like had fourth it. Fourth or fifth, actually. And I love it every time. And every time, there's like a bit where they're like, you know, we're gonna talk about it or whatever. And well, Hardison's like, oh, yeah, we're gonna talk about it. Or every like, single time, or he's like in this one, he's like, I like it when we pretend, and she's like, pretend? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's the thing. I think that. That is probably Parker taking like a very literal interpretation of like, well, we were kissing, so we're not pretending to kiss. Yeah. What like we were physically kissing? What do you mean pretending? But obviously, Hardison is like, we are acting as if we want to kiss, yeah. and he, that's the pretending bit, like the actual desire. Yeah. But like, he clearly doesn't want to be pretending. pretending to- quote, lots of air quotes are happening right now because he is into it. Yeah, and so. Anyway, they're a whole dynamic, this episode. Like, they're little, like, when they're looking at each other's maps and they do the little, like, high five, like, handshake. Yeah. I'm like, yes, babies, I love you. And also we get harder. Here's, here are the other things that I thought you could have okay. entered that sentence okay. with. I'm just going to – did you have anything else you wanted to say? Or no, I, I just wanted to, like – I wanted to point that out because I know you love fake dating. I and you so love partisan, it. And I, yes. think, I think this is, like, five or six. Mm-hmm. Like, Instances. I'm trying to go through in my head and it's, like – because you've got the fairy so godparents many. job, you've got the season one finale, you've got the Zanzibar marketplace job where she pretends mm-hmm. to be the Russian male order bride. Yeah. You have, oh, there's another one that I'm... Uh, you could go with the Iceman job maybe yes. because like I'm, I, I'm on the fence about that one because like technically they're fake dating but it's not in the same kind of way. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, eh. But like I think we could make it count. Mm-hmm. But there's like, yeah, there are so many. And here's the thing. I love Parker and Hardison as like... A, they remind me... The build-up that's going into Parker Hardison reminds me of the build-up that goes into Jake and Amy in yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, it feels natural. It feels like they have that chemistry that you can't fake. Yeah. But also, narratively, it makes so... Like, it's so beautiful. Like, the way their characters are written and, like, their interactions are so fun and it's so wholesome and, like, genuine. And it, it doesn't feel forced in any way. And so I, I am such a fucking sucker for... Parker and Hardison, and I love all of their fake dating. Oh, we have to kiss for the job. The same way that I loved it every single time it happened for Jake and Amy Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so I'm just living for this. But the other ways you could have ended that sentence that I was fully expecting, there were like three options in my, four options. Did I get one of them? You did. Okay, lovely. So one of them was the Parker Hardison fake, Fake quote unquote, Pretending out. to Pretending. kiss. Pretending. Uh, the other one was just Hardison in a suit. Just yes. general. He always looks impeccable in a suit. The other one is Elliot's little glasses mm-hmm. uh, and his ponytail, yep. uh, which we'll come back to because I want to talk about Elliot. Yeah. Um, the other one is everyone fucking making fun of Nate for not knowing Sophie's name. Yes. Hilarious. So, Iconic. Also, you... I'm so mad because I understand what you mean now about me being Nate yeah. coded. I was going to be like, and... do you now understand why I was like laughing because I'm like, you're low-key Nate coded. Because yes. I, don't <laughs> I don't think it's the spoiler to say that we do get more of Nate trying to guess Sophie's name during the season. Yes. Like, we get so much more of Nate trying to guess Sophie's actual name. Yeah. Because, like, by and large, the team reverts back to calling her Sophie mm-hmm. because Nate hasn't earned it. Yeah. I fucking love the bit with Parker where, um, is it Hardison mentions Sophie? And she goes, who's Sophie? Sophie. Like, and it's like, she's, like, she's already like forgotten. She's like, no, no, that's a dead name. Like, yeah. that's, <laughs> you know, and I, I love that so much. And yes, I am obsessed with everyone like knowing Sophie's name, except Nate. That is hilarious. And it's the best way to punish him because he 
hates it. He's like, no, I'm the one who's supposed to know Sophie. I'm the only one who knows when Mm -hmm. she's playing us. I'm supposed to be the one who understands her. And she's like, you can understand me when you've earned the fucking right. And I'm like, yes, bitch, tell him. I love it. And this is how I'm going to circle back to Elliot. Because my lord, my lord, when... Okay, first of all, Elliot playing a role, hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love it just as much as I love Hardison playing yeah. a role. It's perfect. It's immaculate. My beautiful boy, look at him go. So, when he says, I got shanked by my own scalpel last mm-hmm. year, fucking hilarious. Love that for him. Well, you know. You Fiction know what I mean. Him. Yes. Uh, and then he, like, takes Nate into the other room and he's like, oh, I'm just doing this in case the guards come or yeah. whatever. And he, like, cuffs him to the bed. He's like, it's just for the guards. And Nate's like, it's still just for the guards, right? And Elliot is there with, like, the little thing. And he's like, do you know what I usually do to people who con their teams? And I was like, yes, Elliot, scare him just enough. He fucking deserves it. And like, now I have the context of the opening scene where like, he's like, no, no, like he went to prison. He took the fall so that we didn't have to. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, Elliot is fucked off. And he kind of has a right to be. And And like he is. And like, we also, last episode, you were like, I hope Hardison gets to be fucked off at night. Yes. And he does. And he does. He doesn't even want to break Nate out of prison. He's mm-hmm. like, no, like... Yeah, he did his crime. He can do his time. Although I do think it's funny that the crime that he's thinking that he needs to do time for is not the crime he's been arrested for. Yeah. He's like, no, no, that bit was fine. But the fact that he lied to me, he deserves prison. <laughs> and I do think that's great. Um, he made me blow up Lucille. Yeah, exactly. Prison. Exactly. Uh, and so, they make a point that Hardison's new van is really nice. Yes, I did say Lucille 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, here is the thing. I, I I appreciate that Hardison was still pissed. I do wish, and I don't know if maybe this is going to come like next episode or something. I do doubt it, but they could do it. I do wish that we had gotten to have a bit more of an actual like Nate Hardison discussion. Yeah. Because I do think it would be warranted. Yeah. But if this is as much as we get, I'm glad. I'm glad that we at least got this much. Like it's better than nothing, which is what we've had before. So I'm not as annoyed by it as I could have been, and I appreciate that Hardison is actively annoyed. Yeah, and like I love when he's playing with a little uh, helicopter. Having some me time. Yeah, exactly. It's great. You know, I think that's very fun. So I am glad that we went back and rewatched that first 10 minutes because I didn't know that happened. So this is some of my notes have changed (laughs) based on that first 10 minutes that I missed. But the other thing that I want to talk about is I know you mentioned it earlier, but seeing the map everything out. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed seeing that because I think that like a lot of the time, and this is true of like a lot of media. So this isn't a real criticism here, but like a lot of the time, because of the technology available through things like hacking, right? Yeah. Because of Hardison's whole role. They normally just hand wave it away. They got the yeah, loop and like, Hardison hand. Yeah, like, oh, like, he just stole them from, like, the city council yeah. or, like, from their database or, like, you know, I can access the cameras so, like, we don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. So I loved that they actually had to go through like, the process. We downloaded the plans, but we don't know if they're still up to date. Like, yeah, and they also... They couldn't have changed anything since then. So we will use them as a base. Yeah, and, like, the and cameras... And then we've got are, to go through manually and map everything. Yeah, out. and, like, the cameras are on a private server. Like, we can't just hack... And so, you know, I thought it was really nice, and it was very fun to be able to see 
like Nate actually doing the full walkthrough and yeah. having to physically see every sensor too, because mm-hmm. it's also relies on him being able to recognize each sensor. Because if they miss one, yeah, he's or if, the, or if he misidentifies one, yes, if one's a motion sensor when it's actually a camera, mm-hmm. or if it's like a heat sensor, with, like not a motion sensor, whatever, because the the ways to get around them change, change. Uh, depending really on what sort of sensor. Exactly. They are. And so one of the other things that I really, really liked about this episode that I felt like was unique from others we've seen before is that we normally see them case the mark, mm-hmm. but we saw them case the building. Like, normally the building is kind of the secondary, like, whatever. The building is the easy bit because they've got Parker who can just go, like, through an air vent or something yeah, or like, an elevator shaft or however, whatever. Like, but Parker is very good at what she does, yeah. but the issue is Parker can't case this building yeah. because Parker is not inside. Yeah, and so it was just so fun to watch them have to do that. And I also think that, like, for me it helps. Like, obviously this whole scenario is, like, fabricated and fictional or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to me, having them actually have to physically do this work and actually seeing it happen rather than just, yeah. like, understanding that it happened at some point off screen makes it feel more realistic. Like it makes it feel like, oh yeah, if you were going to do a prison break, you would have to do this. You would have to know where the camera blind spots are. And the way that you would have to figure that out is by making your way through every section of the prison that is relevant to your escape room Mm. and mapping like this and finding ways to get around Mm. the cameras and using the blind spots and you know, oh, well, it's not just cameras, it's also motion sensors and whatever. Like, and so I was like, this is, I think, showing the complexities and intricacies of actually pulling something like this off in a way that feels realistic rather than just like, oh, we hand wavy, hacking it or whatever. Like, and so I really loved that. I thought it was a really fun thing to show that we haven't really had explicitly shown to us in this way before. Um, So I just, I really enjoyed it. Okay, I do, I do just really briefly, like, I know you're not a big Nate stan or anything, but we do need to talk about Nate and his character development, specifically at the end of the episode, mm. when he says, I tried being... Uh, I tried being a drunk citizen, citizen, citizen or something, something. law-abiding citizen. Yeah. I tried being a sober thief, now I'm going to try being a drunk thief. Yeah. Yes. And then Sophie turns around and says, you're a thief now, you, you can, can save, save yourself. yourself. Which is another yes, bitch, tell him moment. Because it is not her fucking responsibility to pull your ass out of the fire every damn fucking time, sir. Yeah. And so do you have any thoughts on how sort of him accepting that he's a thief will play into his, like, alcoholism and his trajectory in this season? Here's the thing. Nate... Nate uses alcohol as, like, self-medicating as a coping mechanism, right? I think that that's – I don't think that that is something that is, like, a theory. I think that's pretty much given to us explicitly. So it's interesting to see how his drinking habits have changed with his perception of himself. And what is fascinating to me is he he says it as much in this episode. Like, he's tried being drunk and a thief or tried being drunk and a law-abiding citizen, quote-unquote. He has tried being sober and a thief. And – those were basically, so season one, he tried this. Season two, he tried that. Now it's season three, new season, new Nate, he's going to try something else. And what is... And you can also assume that before season one, he was a sober law-abiding citizen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is like the fourth of the... Yeah, it's the final of the quad. Yeah, exactly. He's completing the set. Collect all four. So it's interesting to see how these things have shifted with his perception of himself. Because I would argue the first two seasons, he is in denial. Yes. Pretty clearly. 
season two, like season one, he is just fully in denial. Yeah. Like completely. He's in, he's in denial about how in control he is. He's in denial yeah. about his substance abuse. He's in denial about what he's doing and what that means for his morality. He's in denial about fucking everything. Mm. Season two, he's sober, which is an improvement because he is at least no longer in denial about the substance abuse. Yeah. Like he's recognized that that is an issue and he has worked to overcome Remedy. that. Yeah. Yes. Now, he is still in denial, though, about who he is as a person. Yeah. And now he's come to terms with who he is as a person, but he's gone back to drinking. Yeah. I think what will be interesting is now that he has this balance in terms of what he believes about himself, like he's kind of resolved that cognitive dissonance. It makes me wonder if, yes, he's drinking, but will he be drunk? Mm. That is the thing for me, because... Just because he has had issues with alcohol in the past does not mean he will always have issues with alcohol. He can reach a point, potentially, where he is able to drink without it being in excess or to a point where it is a problem. So I wonder if he's not going to be, quote-unquote, a drunk thief, but simply a person who is a thief who also sometimes drinks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because now he's reached a point where he understands who he is and has accepted that of himself. I mean, they could regress on that. They could. It makes me wonder if he will also find a balance in his, like, drinking in terms of, like, just cutting it back to, like, a what we would consider a, quote-unquote, normal amount of alcohol for mm-hmm. any average adult to consume. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's found balance in one aspect. Yeah. So I wonder if he'll find balance in the other as a sort of a direct, or not necessarily direct, but, like, as a result. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, there is nothing wrong with drinking. No. The problem for, of drinking comes from abusing it. And the addiction element of it. Yeah, or using it as a coping mechanism. That is the part that becomes unhealthy. So if he just has a, a drink with the gang at the end of a case or whatever, that's fine. It's just as long as he's not actually drunk throughout the duration of the case, you know, where it becomes a problem. And I do think it's interesting in that scene that not only is Nate having a drink, but Sophie shares it with him. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating because Sophie has just had season two's whole arc of her trying to figure out who she is and coming to grips with who she is as a person, which is mirroring what Nate's done. So the fact that she shares the drink with him, I think solidifies for me this concept of coming to terms with who you are and finding a balance Mm. in that. So, yeah, that's kind of where my head's at with that. Yeah. Obviously, it's only the first episode, and Sophie does still draw attention to the fact that he's drinking. So, look, it could be an ongoing issue, but I'm hoping that they find some kind of resolution relatively, like... Yeah. Within this season. Within this season. I think this is now the third season where we're pulling it in as a problem, and, like, obviously this kind of situation often is a lifelong yeah like thing that you deal with in terms of media like it can get kind of annoying to have like the reoccurring it's not even that it's annoying it's just that in terms of media it has been very drawn out yeah and that's not necessarily a bad thing it is actually probably more realistic Mm. it's just that it's not necessarily required like they have made the point that they were looking to make with the drinking and so it's interesting narratively that they're not kind of phasing it out so which is what leads me to believe that either they are going to make it so it's resolved as like he can drink and it's no longer like a, oh, something's wrong with Nate thing. 
or they are going to make it an issue again, but it's like that would be the third time yeah. in as many seasons, and that feels a bit... It feels a bit weird if they make it, like, the reason the season three finale gets fucked up is because Nate's drinking again. Yeah. It's like, that's been your plot point for the last two seasons. Like, yeah. this is the third season finale in a row where the main issue is that Nate Nate's is drinking. And, like, so the thing is, in real life, you know, it can be, a, you know, yeah. this, this could be the fact. It could be that someone who was abusing substance does have three major things concurrently happen to them as a direct result of them being under the influence. But in media, it's unlikely yeah. So it's it's the difference between like a realism and like a media narrative standpoint. Um, I very quickly want to ask you a question. Okay. Which is like the campaign ad. <laughs> like, it's so fucking funny. But I'm also like, is that this is one of those like confused about America things again? Yeah. Like, surely, surely that's overdramatized. Surely that's not. I have real. seen American like election ads that are way more Who like than is that. Voting for these people, they sound like like. I I think that's actually pretty mild. Like I've seen, I don't know if it's like the like every single American like mm. election ad is like that, but like I have certainly seen like real life examples where it's like, especially with like conservative politicians, where it's like their election ad is them like shooting stuff with a gun, I, with like the patriotic music behind and like I've seen TikTok powerpoints with better production quality. Yeah, I. <laughs> I look. I'm not what? an American expert, but I am sure that oh, I really like, you're not, Jamie. <laughs> no, but I am sure that I have seen like Amer- actual American election ads before that are like very similar vibe. American politics to me feels like a beauty pageant. Do you know what I mean? I'm not entirely sure that's wrong. <laughs> like, like you, you understand? Know, yeah. It's the vibe. Like they're all just like dressing up to look pretty. I'm like, okay, but what's your point? It just it seems so. It's very much based on, like, appearances. It's like, I want to look tough on crime, so I'm going to shoot this thing with a gun. Like, it's that whole thing of, like, guns solve everything. But, you know, in the three days of the hunter job? Yeah. And they had the, like, spoof Fox News, like, thing. It felt like that. Like, it has the same energy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... (laughs) It just is bizarre to me. And it's so... Yeah, it doesn't feel real. Like, it feels so made up that it kind of, like, it feels like a bit... Yeah, but it's not, I don't think. Like, it's very confusing. As a person who, like, our government campaigns are very different. Yeah, I feel like it's sort of, like, on a, in terms of US election ads, on a spectrum of, like, you know, 1 to 10, mm. like, you get ads across the entire spectrum. You get really normal ads which rate, like, a 1 in the mm-hmm. weirdness scale. They're, like, they're perfectly normal. They're, like, I'm here for the community. I want to do this, da 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 And then you've got ads that are 10, which are just batshit insane. Yeah. This is probably falling somewhere on, like, the six, seven, eight sort of level in that it's, like, it's very over-the-top, but it's also – it's not realistic. There are more over-the-top actual election ads. So it's, like, it's maybe uncommon if most of them fall in the sort of one to five category. It's maybe a little bit over-the-top, but it's not, like, so over-the-top that there has never been an election ad like this ever at all. See, it's so funny because I'm sitting here like, this is so, like, it just feels fake. It doesn't feel like this is a real election campaign. But then I just remembered that in, like, the most recent election here, there was that member for parliament who ran ads on Grinder, including slogans such as suck cock, not coal, and he won the seat. And then I'm like, maybe it doesn't feel that realistic. <laughs> Like, I'm kind of taking the piss about how it's stupid, but then, like, also... Like, isn't anyway. there... 
to be fair, suck cock, not coal was a great slogan. So <laughs> it's just a shame we weren't in the right seat to vote for them. Yeah, exactly. I to be fair, they would have got my vote. They had a lot of great environmental policies. They knew and they were clearly queer was. friendly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, I feel like we we need to talk about the Italian more because I feel like okay. we talked about the Italian, but but that was before you saw her actual inf- introduction. Yes, like she we, is a dramatic. She is a bitch. She is an icon, and I love her. Like the thing with the lighter is funny. Really, because so, I'm just I'm so not used to leverage doing this. That feels like supernatural. <laughs> it is like the most over the top fucking bullshit I've ever seen, and I kind of love it. Like, mm-hmm. is it good? No. Is it fun? Yes. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, she's she's out here and, like, she very clearly, like, because we hear her talk tonight in English, we, like, and she replies, like, she very clearly understands every single word that he is saying, but she does the fucking power move mm-hmm. of having the translator yeah. so that she can, like, sulk in the background in the shadows yeah. and then dramatically step forward and say... You know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day, but it fucking burned in one. Like, yeah. Look, I'm really interested to see what happens with her. I am I really don't know how to feel about her because, like we were talking about yeah. earlier, like, it seems like morally she's in the right place, but I'm like, no, there's it's got to be for your own good somewhere. Yeah. Like, she feels like she's like, oh, I will get these guys to do my dirty work for me. Like, mm-hmm. I think that if Monroe goes down... Monroe, Moro. Moro. I feel like if Moro goes down, it directly benefits her. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's my... Whether or not... Oh, okay. Galaxy brain, absolute okay. crack take. Or she is a spurned, like, lover or, like, child of or, like, somehow related to him. And she's like, fuck this guy. Like... You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like she has a personal vendetta mm. and it's not just like actually like, ooh, while we're on the, t- okay, you're saying like, oh, maybe she's like, what if she's a rival? Okay. See, this is where my brain was initially. Yeah. But now I'm like, no, I think that they were in cahoots and have yeah. now fallen out. Okay. Something went wrong okay. and she was like, I know enough to take this motherfucker down, but I don't want to be the one to do it because I I'm not going to put myself in danger. Yeah. He is going to suspect me, obviously, because of this like falling out. So I need to have someone else do it for me and I can't leave a trail anywhere, you know? Yeah. That's my, I think, okay. I think that's where I'm going. I think that's where I'm going. And you're smiling, which means I'm either exactly right or completely wrong. It's a 50-50. <laughs> no comment. I'm excited to find out. Yes. I mean, ex- we, we do learn more about the Italian and, like, her motivations and exactly, like. I mean, I was sure we would, but, like, they weren't going to just leave it off yeah, here. <laughs> no. But we do. We finally have an overarching plot for you. I'm you so can excited. Sort of half it, like, you can half, it's not, like. It's not like an overarching plot, but it is It is an overarching plot. You know what I mean? Yes. Here is my other thing about this. So this was actually a point I had about this particular episode, but mm-hmm. I think it also applies to this larger yeah. thing that's happening. So when the guards are going to kill Billy, right? Mm-hmm. So the head guard, I don't know if we ever get a name for him, he goes to two of the other guards, gives them both a knife, and is like, basically go kill this guy. And then the other guards there, he's like, turn off the cameras. Like, immediately he is involved another four people. Mm. He is already involved, so that's five. Plus the CEO is already involved, so that's six. So 
I'm and like, the CEO only barely has plausible deniability. Like, yeah. So I'm like, the more people that you involve yeah. in, especially a secret of this magnitude with this dire consequences, the like more likely it is to get out, and the faster it is likely to get out by significant margins. Yeah. And so I just I was like, this feels like a poor tactical yeah. decision. But also, I feel like he's probably panicked and not actually thinking yeah. it through. He's like, we just have to get this job done as quickly as possible. That's kind of that's kind of the the whole point. Like this entire yeah. episode is sort of like they set up all the dominoes and then they make the and warden panic. panic, and that's what so he knocks it over. He just yeah. like knocks everything over. Yeah, like, which to be fair is a lot of the time their tactic for anyone. They're basically like, we're just going to set it all up and then they're going to destroy themselves. Yeah, and that way that they're free of implication because it yeah. looks like this idiot has just completely sabotaged themselves. Like they've had a mental breakdown and they've just like yeah. got to set fire to their life. Exactly, <laughs> midlife crisis. The Who one that them? that is like the the um the bank shot job. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's the exactly prime the example. Exactly, it's like, and so. There's that, but I also think that that could apply to the larger plot, especially because it's what they've really, like, clearly drawn out in this first episode of the season. Yeah. It feels like maybe there's going to become a situation where, you said before, like, Moreau has, like, fingers in every pie. Yeah. I think too many people are involved. And so the more people who are involved in the inner workings, in the secrets, Mm -hmm. the higher the risk and the more, like, the quicker that risk is likely to come about. Yeah. And so I do think that will be interesting as well. Like to know how many people Moreau has in the inner circle, particularly if this woman was part of that inner circle Mm -hmm. and is now not, because that opens up the possibility for other people in the inner circle to be snitching to her. So it like becomes very complicated very quickly. And I don't know if I'm just like absolutely going batshit, pulling stuff out of thin air and just making it sound correct to me. Or if this is actually, am I thinking about this too hard? I suppose. Um, but I think I think at this point you really don't have any information. I think I think that's the key thing. Yeah. But I will say that you it's have though. You have said something there that is very fucking interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, and when I do release this episode, hopefully we're further. No, you won't. I don't think you will have had the reveal yet that makes some of what you've just said very interesting. Oh, okay. I think well, the reveal is a little bit to. further on. Mm-hmm. But for anyone who's listening. They will know exactly what I'm thinking of, I'm sure. Like, they they will know why it's interesting to think about, like, Moreau and his inner circle and all of that sort of stuff. Cool. So we'll put a pin in this and we'll revisit it down the track. We will get to the end of the season and you will know why I was like, this is interesting. Okay. So on that note, things being interesting, that is, the first episode of the second season, I went on a whole big long thing yeah. about how they changed the set they like left the offices yeah. and now they're in Nate's house and how I felt like that was like a massive shift and like it yeah. really opened up the found family thing. They have shifted the set again. So they've taken out the couch. Yeah. There's no couch. Now they have a desk. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the marriage between yeah. the offices and yeah. Nate's living room and i'm like just like what i was saying before about nate and his drinking yeah and nate and his idea of who he is mm-hmm. like they were like at the offices mm-hmm. they were like quote-unquote corporate and then they yeah. completely shifted and they were just like a normal house but now it is a normal house that also has like a specific desk it's like area. a home office yes like, yes. it's, it's that it's so open, midway point between, like... Exactly. And it is so open plan mm-hmm. that it is literally just an office that is also a home. Like, yeah. it, is, it is one thing. It's not like, oh, I have a home office mm-hmm. where it's, like, a room. It's like, no, no, my home is also my office. Which and like, is not usually a healthy approach. And but... when, they, when they shift... And, like, when they shifted that space from Nate's home to office... 
Nate was in prison. Mm-hmm. But you've got to remember, Nate's not in prison now, so presumably he has to live there again. Like, that, yeah. is, that is his home. Where else is he meant to live? So now it's like, yes, it's a home office, but it's only a home office for Nate. For everyone else, it's just an office. It's just Nate's house. Yeah. What's so funny to me is that they keep bringing up that Hardison is his landlord. Yeah. Like, he's like, what did you do to my house? He's like, I'm the landlord. It was like it was empty. It was empty. We needed new space. You know, I I just thought it it was very good. It made sense. Like, why wouldn't we? Oh, I also want to make a very quick note that the guy that they're conning in this episode, he recognized the car park. Like, he recognized before his his own own car. car. Like, he recognized two lines on asphalt before he recognized his fucking vehicle. And I think that is so funny. I I do think it's a very interesting choice for them to be like, oh, I recognize that car park and not. Oh, that car looks a lot like mine. Yeah. It's like, so funny. And also, like, how the fuck do you recognize the car park? Like, someone could show me footage of the car park that I, I park think it's in every I day. Think there was work. like one sign, and he mm. probably recognized like this sign. But like Even so though, like how close is he looking in the background of the shot instead of focusing on Nate? <laughs> in the car. Yeah. That is his. Like, even if he if he hadn't recognized the car. And also not the car park. I would have been like, he's just focused on Nate. Yeah. Like, if the guy had been like, does the car look familiar? And then he'd been like, oh my god, is that my car? Like, I would have been like, okay. But the fact that he was like, I recognize that white line. <laughs> I also, I think it's hilarious that, like, obviously they do the switch out with the drive cleaning. Oh, yes. I love that. And then... He, like the the mark is like oh he stole my dry cleaning and banano's straight up like you're a short bitch yeah. like, <laughs> he's like really because i met nathan ford and he's a good four inches taller than you yeah like, hilarious so it's really odd that it fits him perfect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um oh i also want to just make a point that i i love elliot in this episode i for some reason I don't know what it was, but when the guards came to, like, kill Billy and, like, Elliot meets them, he's like, hello. And then he, like, destroys them. I was like, yes, baby boy, I've missed you. And I don't know why I had that reaction. I was like, it's not like I haven't watched Leverage. I watched it last week. But I'm like, I've just, I've missed that. Yeah. He just, he absolutely took them out. And it just made me so happy. Um, And also, I 100% called the helicopter being a remote control helicopter um, without even having the context of the minutes at the start where Harbison was playing with the helicopter. And I was very proud of myself. But yes, I, oh, and I've missed Sophie. I have missed her so, so much. She's, Mm -hmm. I've missed Gina Bellman. I have missed her performance. I have missed her fun accents. I have missed her absolutely playing people. It's just so funny. And I love her. And I, this episode, bro, I have so many emotions. And it's only like 20% the caffeine you brought me. You don't even finish the caffeine I brought you yet. I've been sipping at it for the last two hours and seven minutes. And I've still got a good two inches worth to go. I do want to say, you've just touched on like Elliot and Sophie and... I just want to t- touch on Park in this episode because Please do. I love her. I adore She's her. my bullo boy. Mm-hmm. She's asleep in the elevator upside so down. Like, like a, a bat. fucking bat. I love her. She's so upset that she doesn't get to use the special elevator rig that she got given for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the bit where um, she is going to like pick the lock on Nate's handcuffs and he's, he's like, like, you like, can just use the key. She's like, now this is faster. I'm like, yes, love that for you. Love that confidence. I, I love that. And I just, I love Parker so much. I also love that they have the scene where 
both her and Sophie pickpocket the judge. Oh, my God. And then they, they sort compare. of, like, compare. Like, oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. Like, uh-huh. They're – I love them so much. Like, they uh-huh. are so cute. Like, I – she's just so excited. And they're, she's like, oh, it's a safety deposit box. Like, uh-huh. Here's the thing. I have missed Sophie. Mm-hmm. Parker has missed Sophie. And I just – I love seeing her be like, look, Mom, look what I did. Like, it's look. so cute. I love them so fucking much. And also, Parker looked incredible. Incredible this episode, particularly at the very like start or what I thought was the start. She's wearing like this blue button down shirt when they're seen. And oh God, she looked so good. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love her. And then we of course get the iconic scene of them taking the photo to frame up the ex-candidate as someone who had like a hooker in the hotel or whatever. And like, you've got Parker and she's like modeling and she pulls the face and Sophie's like, I did not teach her that. Oh my God. And then she just drops all of her clothes and is wearing just the beret. Uh Uh-huh. And Hardison's like, why am I looking away? I It's like, baby boy, because you respect her too Mm -hmm. much. He drinks his respecting women juice. And we love that for him. Yes, I also forgot, I had a note that just said Parker LMAO, and I couldn't remember what it was about, but that's the model shoot is exactly what it was about. It's perfect, beautiful. And I also thought it was really funny because in season two, we had Parker doing the photo shoot with Tara. And yeah. I was like, I love that she can direct others, but can't in, like understand the she, directions yeah. for herself. I just, beautiful. Oh, I also just love Parker's complete, like, not comprehension that other people just don't, like, survive shit. She's like, the average human can withstand that for 27 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, she's like, like <laughs> what, you think it's going to take you longer than that? <laughs> oh, and I really just quickly want to mention um, Sophie's line, it would be complete madness if everyone who committed a silly little crime went mm-hmm. to prison. Like, yeah. what sort of world is that? Because that is just... Iconic. Iconic and kind of weirdly relevant later on. So Oh, okay. It Spicy. Is, it is it is very fun. And I do love it as a line. It is iconic. And what's more iconic is Hardison just dumping the Spanish soap opera oh over God. the voice recording. I love him explaining to Elliot, like, so it turns out yeah. that this and this, and Elliot's like, no way. Like it's so fun. I, I love it. I love it. And we also get the confirmation that they've been continuing to help people even with Nate in prison. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, because again, this work, it gets under their skin. Yeah. No, I love it. This silly little show really has brought me so much serotonin, much more than I was expecting. Well, that was all of the points that I wanted to make. Did you have anything else you'd like to add? I have one singular point okay. left. My singular point is when Nate says at the end that they have the leverage, it did make me giggle. I yeah. was like, oh, name drop. Uh, they have a lot of fun with the name drops in this show. Yeah. So that was my final my final point. So how do you rate this episode of Leverage? I'm going to give it a full... Oh, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah. Uh, Would have been a four without the first five minutes well, yeah, of the episode. I was going to give it a four. And then I was like, well, honestly, my only criticisms were like... All fixed explained. by the fact that I just hadn't seen 10 minutes of it. And, like, the fact that I could follow it and understand it and enjoy it without 10 minutes of context, I think warrants it a 4.5. I also think that uh, for a season opener, I think it was super strong. Yeah. I think that the way they got Nate out of the situation was really great. I think they've set up the rest of the season really well. I'm so excited that there's finally a long, like, yeah. arcing plot Okay, so I said to you off off of the recording previously mm. that I realized that season three of Leverage is very similar to season three of Supernatural in that they have a goal and a timeline. Yeah. I'm so excited. This is the most Leverage has ever felt like Supernatural and I'm thrilled. 
And while we're talking about that, the question that I'm adding to the end of every episode wrap up, how do you think this episode leads to more rope? Okay, so here's the thing. Obviously, it's the episode that introduces the concept that they're moving towards it. So I have to assume that that is the biggest tie. Mm -hmm. However, given the information that we were given about the kind of person Moreau is and what kind of pies they have their fingers in, I would suggest that a corrupt prison system has to be one of them. Because this kind of person who is running, like you said before, like basically is the bank for the criminal underground, people are going to catch on to that. People are going to like, and it might be through like minor cases that just happen to be linked, but that he needs a way to deal with these people and he can't just kill all of them. Mm. So setting them up to put them in prison makes sense. Like, but Billy is an accountant, right? Mm. And I know you said that Billy doesn't really come back up, but I'm going to use him as an example. An accountant might stumble across an account that doesn't make any fucking sense. They might have a client who they work out is dodgy. They might, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. So by them coming across Billy and helping Billy out, like that kind of stuff could potentially, like that could be why Billy was given such a long sentence for such a petty thing, you know? And Billy is just like confused about it. And obviously like they explain in the episode that it's basically because they just wanted more heads in the prison. Yeah. But there could also be the ulterior of Billy saw something that he wasn't supposed to and they needed him just off the board for a bit. Yeah. So that he, like, he was distracted so that he didn't look further into that. And so I think that potentially, like, it could be that, like, the corrupt justice prison system could be involved with Moreau. It could be a way that they're sort of silencing people without actually killing them. Because if you kill someone, you've got to hide a body. Yeah. Like... And if someone finds a body, there's an investigation. If someone gets per- put in prison completely through the normal judicial system, there's that no veneer of looking. legitimacy. Yeah, and like people, like people might try and look into it, but like if it's gone through a legitimate court proceeding, yeah. there's only so much you can look into. Like you can try and fight the charges, but like it looks legit. Yeah. Whereas if you kill someone and you find a body, it's like, well, what the fuck? Why were they killed? Yeah. And then people look into that. So I think that that is a potential, but obviously I don't know anything Oh, yet. I will also just say that, like, some of the episodes are not connected to Yeah, you to mentioned Moro. that earlier. Like, yeah. So, but... I don't think this is connected to Moro is a perfectly legitimate response. If I like, was going to connect it, though, I think that I think that, that is how I would do yeah. it. Like, if I was going to... I think the thing is, because obviously I'm not going to know which episodes are connected to Moro... I'm just going to assume all of them are and see if I can find a way that I would understand it would make sense for it to be connected. And then if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I also don't want to discount anything because leverage has a way of making you think something is irrelevant or not putting like emphasis on stuff that is later important. Like, so I would rather assume that there's a connection than assume that there's not. Mm. So while I would probably suggest that the only really relevant thing in this episode is the fact that the, Moro is introduced as a threat yeah. or as, you know, the con, I would suggest that if there was a link, it would be to do with the fact that he probably is involved with the corrupt judicial system and a corrupt and corrupt private prisons, yeah. basically. Lovely. Okay, perfect. Um, and then the next episode is called The Reunion Job. What do you think it's about? Okay, well, what's interesting is they reunited this episode, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that maybe they're reuniting with someone else. Because, like, obviously it could be, like, it could be, like, a school reunion or it could be, like, I don't know, literally a reunion of any group of people. Like, it could it could be that. But I feel like Hardison said in this episode before they're intercepted by um, the Italian woman and her, like, crew that, like, we're going to rendezvous in Paris. So, like, you know, it could be 
that they're meeting up with someone. It could it could be a lot of things. Maybe they replaced um Nate with Stark while he was gone. Yeah. Well, it also it could also be like the reunion job makes me think of the homecoming job. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it could be smick like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Reunion, I mean, a reunion could be a reunion of anything. Yeah. So. No worries at all. Okay, perfect. Um, and then if you want to interact with us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. Mm-hmm. All of the links will be in the description below. If you want to talk to us, you can talk to us about literally anything. But suggested topics of conversation include. Favorite fake dating AU Parker Hardison edition. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with that concept. Obviously, this is as far as I've seen, so please no spoilery ones unless you can remove all context. Yeah. But I do I do love Oh, or if you've got a good fic. Mm. If you've got a good fake dating AU fic that doesn't contain spoilers, would love to see it. <laughs> I would also just really like everyone to go through the season and rank their like top ten hardest and suit moments. Mm. Or maybe top five. Top t- top ten's a lot. But like mm-hmm. which suits are we like Damn, that boy is fine. Because he is. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. I would also love people to send me Sophie's real name, but fake fake versions only. Yeah. Like, just tell me what Sophie's name isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Help me narrow it down, you know? Help it's not intensify Beth's name coding. It's not Rochelle. It's not... <laughs> like... It's, I'm going to narrow it down. Yeah. It's, I'm going to narrow it down. But yeah, I would love the help. <laughs> I'll make a spreadsheet. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening today. Have a lovely rest of your like morning, evening, afternoon, night, lunch, brunch, midnight, 3 a.m. Commute. I don't know. Maybe it's like 6 a.m. and you're going to work. Enjoy your day. Love that for you. We hope to have you listen to us again next time as we talk about the reunion job. Bye. Bye.